Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth Podcast. This is your host, Mark Bowdis. By the time we finish today's show, 327 elderly people will be treated in an emergency room for a fall. That's one fall every 11 seconds. Now, I'm sorry to say this next piece, but three of them will die from that fall, one every 19 minutes. Those jolting statistics come from the National Council on Aging. Many of us have dealt with elderly loved ones who have fallen. In fact, one in four elderly persons experience a fall each year. Beyond simply falling, there are other personal health and safety mishaps for the elderly that many of us have heard about or experienced. Things like wandering away from home, unexplained car scrapes or even full-blown car accidents, faltering nutrition, dangerously neglected home repairs, stoves left on or freezers left open, missing or wrong medication taken, and neglected personal hygiene, amongst other things. That's just a small list of unlucky accidents. Other issues that can give rise to a caregiving crisis are chronic conditions or suddenly emerging illnesses. And the most common ones include things like diabetes, arthritis, kidney and bladder problems, dementia, Parkinson's disease, glaucoma, lung disease, cataracts, osteoporosis, breast and prostate cancer, Alzheimer's, macular degeneration, depression, and heart disease. Whenever any of these personal and health safety issues arise, inevitably, they draw attention to a wide range of medical, legal, and financial issues too. For example, some key questions include, are a loved one's health and medical care really being monitored? Are we certain that they have all the recommended legal safeguards in place for decisions about their care and estate matters? Do we know how our loved ones plan to pay for late-in-life care? Is there a plan in place that actually makes sense? Are the finances in place to pay for what's needed? Or what happens when the elderly family member can no longer stay in their home? So we begin to notice here just some of the issues and topics that come to light following the emergence of a caregiving challenge. This was the longest introduction I've ever done for one of my shows. But on today's topic, we're going to talk about four keys to making a difference in a family caregiving challenge. Families spanning generations often reach certain stages of equilibrium and happiness, which can last quite some time. But then something happens, usually to the oldest generation. A caregiving crisis hits, and few families know what to do. Stress increases as family harmony and happiness dissipate. Many of the people I work with are part of the classic sandwich generation. They're putting their kids through college, they're trying to save for retirement, and now they suddenly face new pressures and challenges taking care of one or more elderly parents. The consequences of unplanned caregiving for elderly family members can be devastating. Those consequences hit people on all levels, personal, professional, and emotional. Sometimes families get torn apart when a caregiving challenge becomes a crisis. When there's no planning and a crisis hits, it can have a big impact on people's financial plan across multiple generations, impacting grandchildren, adult children, and of course, our oldest loved ones. One of the things that I'm hoping everyone gets out of this show is how to start putting a caregiving plan together. At the end, I'll talk about a resource that you can use to help do this. Now, when it comes to caring for an aging loved one, most families don't have a plan until there's a problem. 
The lack of planning doesn't have to mean there's a lack of commitment. Like most things, it's never too late to begin the discussion. A caregiving plan should address the personal, medical, legal, and financial matters all wrapped up in the lives of our elderly loved ones. And it's something that you should work with your family and associated professionals to create. It's no different than creating a financial plan, but the hardest part about it is getting started. So the first key we're going to talk about is to ensure your loved one's good continued care with smart planning. This means that you have to guarantee that right when a crisis hits, even as you wonder, oh no, what's happening? That the first focus is making sure that your loved ones are getting the care they need. Step one is to gather important information about the care's recipient, medical needs, and conditions. There are many different questionnaires that you can use to better understand your loved one's needs and challenges, and you're going to want to assess the biggest concerns and priorities of your loved one. Obtain as much information as you can about the care recipient's medical needs and conditions, monitor their quality of health, and maintain communication with their care providers. All those things are important to understand and get in place right from the beginning. So time is of the essence. Things can change rapidly, so you want to quickly check if the legal issues around healthcare and your loved one's estate are addressed. So we'll talk about this more in a moment, but the reason time is so important is because at any moment, your loved one could lose their legal capacity to make healthcare and legal and financial decisions. And when that happens, a whole world of painful complexity enters your family's world. So this is definitely an important piece of your immediate concerns now. And once you're satisfied that your loved one's immediate health care is being addressed satisfactorily, you need to have a caregiving discussion with your loved one. Remember to ask what's important to them while they're still healthy and able to express their wishes. However, you definitely want to be prepared for the unexpected. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that having a discussion about money and aging with loved ones may be difficult, but it's definitely a key. Uh, it's really essential that anyone, everyone has this conversation by age 60. So next, let's talk about the second key, and that's key number two, and that's that a caregiving plan must address medical, legal, financial, and personal issues. So let's look at exactly what's made up in a caregiving plan. Your caregiving plan provides a framework for discussing all the what-ifs that may unfold in the very near future or further out future, depending upon uh, timelines. It outlines your care recipient's wishes and priorities, and it assesses needs in medical, legal, financial, and personal areas. And then the plan organizes all the resources that are available for your family to provide help. So first, let's look at the medical needs. A good baseline in assessing your loved one's health and medical needs is to review their abilities to perform the activities of daily living. So this is a standard you see when it comes to long-term care assistance, but it's also just a good diagnostic tool. Do they need help with eating or bathing or dressing or going to the bathroom or being transferred from their bed to a chair? And based on your review of those activities, questions may arise about the need for in-home help. So depending upon your situation, your options could include a visiting nurse, outside helpers like seniors helping seniors and other organizations, or even a more traditional in-home health aide, either a family member or friend or someone that the family hires. And all this can be coordinated by an elder care or geriatric care specialist who is someone that manages these issues and more for your family. Inevitably, as you start to look at this, one issue that comes up is insurance, and you want to know what's available to defray the cost of caregiving. So what this means is that you want to do a review of which uh, insurance policies your care recipient currently holds. And there are many things to take into account, um, such as their health insurance, their Medicare, their life insurance, and possibly any long-term care insurance policies. And for all the policies, you want to really request and enforce illustrations to confirm the premiums, the death benefits, the loans, the cash values. Long-term care insurance will certainly pop up, 
and you may need to pay special attention to that as you review your care recipient's long-term care funding options. And long-term care is defined as needing assistance to handle some of the basic activities of daily living or requiring substantial supervision due to impairment. We reviewed before what the daily activities are, and you need to decide what will happen when the care recipient is unable to handle some of those activities. Is there a long-term care insurance or life insurance with a long-term care rider or other approaches that can help? You'll want to look at all this and weigh all the options and seek professional advice for choosing what suits the care recipient's needs best. You might not be aware that if your loved one isn't poor or on disability, their health care insurance is likely going to be Medicare, and Medicare does not cover long-term care. A lot of people get confused by that. Only income-qualified Medicaid covers it or people who are on disability. So you also want to review all Medicare policies because you need to understand that it's not one policy. It's actually several separate private and government programs. Uh, you know, we've all heard of Medicare Part A and B and D and the supplements and Medicare Advantage, and it can really be confusing with all the different policies that are involved in it. And on top of it, you need to review how premiums are being paid and get a clear handle on when the upcoming renewal dates are, because that's critical. You don't want to have coverage lapse because you didn't know what was supposed to be paid and when it was supposed to be paid. So those are the highlights that needs to be addressed on the medical aspect of creating a caregiving plan. Now let's turn to some of the legal issues that you need to address. So a good place to start is reviewing and updating any critical documents. And these include things like power of attorney, uh, healthcare agents, healthcare directives, wills, trusts. Of course, your financial advisor and your attorney should be able to assist you with at least obtaining these documents. The healthcare directive and the power of attorney should be considered the top priority. So let's take a closer look at those two. Care recipient can designate a healthcare agent as a surrogate or proxy to make medical decisions. If at some time in the future, the care recipient is unable to make those decisions themselves. The agent can be a close relative, a friend, but it should be someone that's known and trusted by the care recipient. In most states, the agent can make decisions anytime the care recipient loses the ability to make medical decisions, not just decisions about end of life. The agent and the care recipient need to discuss the values and quality of life issues relating to big decisions about treatment and future medical situations. The care recipient should explain what they're asking the agent to do and talk about why they picked them. The healthcare agent needs to know about the quality of life that's important to the care recipient and what medical treatments they would want in certain situations. And these discussions are important because situations can occur that the care recipient can't anticipate, and the agent may need to base a decision on what they know about the care recipient's values and their views on what makes life worth living. So these are definitely not simple questions, and people's views may change. So the care recipient should talk to the agent in depth and repeatedly over time. Um, for similar reasons, a legal proxy is also needed. So you want to be sure that the caregiving plan also addresses the power of attorney issue. And there are two types of power of attorney. There's a durable power of attorney, which is an agent who's authorized to act immediately upon creation of the power of attorney. And then there's something called a springing power of attorney, in which, in this case, the agent is authorized to act on the care recipient's behalf only when specific criteria for legal incapacitation are met. And as I mentioned earlier, many people are surprised that Medicare doesn't cover uh, long-term care. Only Medicare does for those people who are income qualified. So the cost of long-term care can deplete your loved one's finances if they haven't planned for it. There are ways to, to achieve coverage through a Medicaid asset protection plan. The rules are definitely stringent and complex, and you want to really get financial and legal advice if you want to explore this approach. So another important legal 
issue to address is the estate plan. You want to find out if the care recipient has a will and an estate plan. Do the documents need to be updated? When a will is insufficient, you might want to look into a trust or there's other options that you can put into an estate plan. So those are the key legal issues you'll want to review in the caregiving plan. Now let's take a look at the financial stuff. All right, so the first step is you take a a detailed look at your loved one's finances. Look at what their tax situation is, as well as their sources of income, recurring expenses, assets, liabilities. You want to know who the financial professionals in their life are who've been providing advice and services over the recent years. All right, so let's dive into some detail here. When you're reviewing income and expenses, identify all the sources of income. Are there any pensions? What about IRAs? Uh, What's going on with required minimum distributions? Is there an annuity or multiple annuities in place? Is there any life insurance? What about investments? Are there rental income, savings, checking accounts? Whatever sources of income there are, you need to go through all of them. And on the other side, expenses to consider include how's the housing being paid for or transportation? What are their regular healthcare expenses? What's being spent each month on food and entertainment and things like that? And you also want to look at it from the perspective of assets and liabilities. You know, you want to find out what's the situation. Do they have a home? Is it paid for? Is there a mortgage or even a second mortgage? Do they have a second home or rental property? You know, you really want to understand everything that they're doing on the asset and liability side. So you want to create a list of it. Some of the assets are going to produce income, some don't. And then on the liability side, list the mortgages, the credit card lines, credit card debt, any property tax, things like that. Another piece of the puzzle is taking a look at the current investments and savings. Identify all those accounts. What's the asset allocation of those investments? Is it appropriate? Does it um, match the care recipient's risk profile at, at this time? And you know, again, a financial advisor can help analyze that and create strategies for investments that aren't already in place. It's also critical that you review the titling and beneficiaries on all those accounts, and you have to confirm it's done correctly. I've seen so many mistakes in this area over the years, and it's it's really painful when someone passes away, and it turns out that the beneficiary on a big account is someone the loved one didn't want to receive it, but they never looked at it, or no one ever looked at that account in years. So you want to confirm that the beneficiaries and contingent beneficiaries on all these accounts are in place, they're up to date. And they reflect the care recipient's desires and needs. And you need to do this not just for the investments, but also for any insurance, annuities, and really any type of asset that they have. Because again, mistakes are you know that are found late, they can be painful, embarrassing, and you just don't want them to happen. So naturally, as part of your review, you're going to want to identify the financial professionals involved in your loved one's life. Who's the accountant? Who's the insurance agent? Do they have an estate attorney or a financial advisor? Is a bank rep involved? And, you know, any other insurance, you know, professionals that, that come to mind. And it's also important to review the tax situation. You want to understand are the taxes, are they paid on time? Who's filing them quarterly and annually? If there's in-home help, are the proper taxes being withheld or is it outsourced to a company? And if it's someone you're paying directly, you need to figure out the tax issues with that as well. Likewise, you'll also want to inquire about elderly employer tax benefits. If, in fact, you're hiring someone to come in as a caregiver, there are medical care and dependent care deductions and that sort of thing. So like I said, this is an area that's important to seek professional help, and your financial advisor and accountant can be extremely helpful in situations like this. But once you've completed a survey of your loved one's finances, then as part of the caregiving plan, you need to create a financial plan and a monthly budget. So you want to understand your care recipient's monthly cash flows. Where's all the money coming from and where is it going to? And you also need to ensure that 
all the bills are being paid on time. You also want to know who's going to be doing this going forward. And it's important to continually monitor spending in bank accounts because oftentimes money starts disappearing, you know, going out of the door for a variety of reasons. Sometimes dementia is undiagnosed or someone's caught up late at night buying a gazillion things from QVC. Or sometimes a less than savory situation of financial exploitation is going on and you want to be able to monitor what's happening. So that covers the financial piece to some degree, but you'll also need to address the personal side of things. So for that, you want to look closely at the personal needs of your loved one and what living options appeal to them. You know, all right, everyone wants to stay in their home as long as they possibly can, but when that end of the road comes and something else has to happen, what are the options? Is it moving in with a family member? Or is it moving to a retirement facility or some sort of assisted living? Or is there another option? You want to make sure that your loved one is taking advantage of all the benefits that they qualify for. Many families aren't aware of all these benefits that are available to them. ARP is a good resource that can help you determine if your loved one does qualify for some additional benefits. Your loved one may also want to write a letter of instruction that goes beyond the will or any sort of legal document. And this is a letter that serves as a reminder to the family of the sentiment behind your loved one's wishes. It has no legal authority, but it's like a final message from the loved one. It's intended to be the latest, most up-to-date version of what they want to say and what's important to them, conveying you know, a lot of those values that we were discussing before. The letter of instruction may also address charities, things like, please, I, you know, I love the library, make sure that the library gets some money. Or maybe there are tangible assets like the autograph from Bruce Springsteen that's been on the wall all these years. Who's really going to get that? There are other things, usually more mundane, but definitely very important things, such as usernames and passwords and final arrangement wishes. Sometimes people say, be sure that the bagpipes are playing when they bring me down the church steps. Or animal care is another thing that's usually important to people. Or sometimes people want to write their obituary or write, in my obituary, say that I played third base for the coal mining team when I was 19 years old and just starting out, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And this is definitely not everyone's cup of tea, but you want to make sure that you give your loved one the opportunity to deliver a letter of instruction that will be part of their final affairs. One other important thing to address on the personal front is to make sure that all these documents we've mentioned are completed and up to date. Then you want to make sure that they're all in one safe place because you want easy access to them when the time comes. And since you, you want them in one spot and you want that spot to be secure, you might consider using a digital vault that will store it electronically and securely, you know, all these, these important documents. Okay, so that gets through a lot of the heavy technical stuff for now. But many of you are probably thinking, wow, all right, this is what about all the stress and strain this puts on the rest of the family and especially me? Key number three is caregiving always impacts the rest of the family in a big way. And that really needs some planning, too. It definitely needs to be addressed. It can't just be the unspoken elephant in the room. So let's take a look at some of the statistics. Becoming a caregiver is a likely occurrence for almost everyone. The latest AARP survey says that there are 34.2 million elder caregivers in the U.S. And that number is expected to grow as population gets older. 75% uh, of all caregivers are female with an average age of 46, and that's a statistic from the Institute on Aging. Deciding to become a caregiver is a huge decision. Sometimes it occurs suddenly when something unexpected happens, or sometimes it's, it's something that's planned. But you have to remember, you're not alone. It's important that you recognize that the caregiving plan really must address the caregiver's needs too, uh, because when this stuff hits, it's challenging. There are demands on your personal and professional life, there can be loss of income, additional expenses, stress at home, 
the disharmony within the family, and almost inevitably, burnout and other emotions hit too. So the, the issue needs to be addressed right from the beginning. And like I said, it's not an easy task, but caregivers often get caught up in delivering care and feel that it's something they have to do but it can cause them to forget about their own needs and wants as well. You know, here we see the sad truth that caregivers are susceptible to depression and anxiety. 23% of caregivers have depression and 33% anxiety. So caregivers definitely need to take care of themselves too and be supported by the entire family. So some of you are caregivers already, and hopefully you know how to stay on top of your health and to address your basic needs by getting rest, exercise. But don't be afraid to ask for help. Look to join support groups. They're out there. And, you know, we can help you find them if you need assistance. Caregivers and families may want to take advantage of services specifically aimed at their situation. This could be something like getting a geriatric care or elder care manager involved to help out. They're visiting nurses, in-home aides, adult daycare, and a variety of other services that are available too. It's, it's important that you're aware of these services and you consider working them into the caregiving plan. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing, the amount that you're involved in it. So there are also organizations and services to help the caregiver. There are people that can help organize healthcare information for your family, negotiate bill payments. There are others who locate and hire nurses, therapists, or schedule doctor's appointments. And then there's others who run errands, cook, or even just offering companionship. You know, with the, the growth of technology, there's help on that front too. So the, the most well-known are the personal emergency response services like Life Alert or Great Call. This is where the care recipient wears a device where they can press a button and get help right away. And they've really advanced in the abilities and styleness over the past couple of years. Um, so it makes sense to look at them, even if you don't think your, your mom will ever wear it. There's also things like medication reminders. You probably already know of Skype and FaceTime and other services that will let you check in and say hello. Nowadays, it's Zoom. That's the, uh, the big popular one. There's also many websites, apps that have, um, you know, offer things like the digital vault that we were talking about. These technologies do relieve some of the burden on the caregiver. And then for some of you, that the help that we've discussed will enable, it'll let you preserve your job. And this is a great thing. You know, you, you are offering care, but you may want to keep working if possible. And of course, sometimes it's not. Uh, you know, if you, if you are employed, inquire about the benefits, such as the Family Leave Act. The key piece of this is that you maintain communication with your employer about what's going on. All right, so now you may be saying to yourself, we don't have expertise in all these areas. How can we possibly start to address these complex issues? Never mind, how do we afford this? So key number four is that you know, a team approach to, to produce the best caregiving plan. This, you know, it's everything in your loved one's lives comes together at the end. It's a lot of different things from a lot of different disciplines that are all coming together at once. And it's it's definitely easy to feel overwhelmed and Putting together the, all the pieces of the puzzle can be difficult, time-consuming, but the most important thing is that you don't take on this caregiving challenge alone because you're not able to. It's important that you work with others in your family, and as you build a team of people who can assist you, you create this plan. You need to include other family members, the care recipients themselves, and anyone else who provides emotional support. It's a difficult time of life, and these are definitely difficult issues, but it's best addressing them rather than pretending that they don't exist or ignoring them. You want to seek professional advice when developing your caregiving plan. Your team at varying times will draw from people in various fields who are experienced with addressing certain part of these complex caregiving issues. It could include a financial advisor, a state attorney, other attorneys, insurance experts, CPAs, geriatric care managers, and there's a long list of people that can get involved. So 
you know, we're getting close to, to wrapping up and we went over the four key challenges and it's a, you know, we know it's a complicated stage of life for, for your loved one and for you and, and the family, but not planning will increase the challenge and, and the problems. So we've run through the, the key issues around the medical, legal, financial, and personal areas and how it does require a team approach to really succeed in, in doing this. But some of the things that maybe you may be thinking about or running around in your mind, because these are common reactions when people sit down and look at everything, um, you might be thinking, I've never done this before. It's really complicated. Or the stakes are too high here to ignore the issues. Um, and, you know, mom or dad's health, wealth, and well-being need to be attended to. Or you might be saying, I don't have enough experience in healthcare for the elderly to manage this. Or, you know, we're going to need help understanding the financial issues or legal issues, you know, that are involved with with everything. You know, these, these reactions, they're natural, um, so don't be, conf- be concerned about them. It, it's complicated, but it can be, it can be solved. And the, really, the way to do that is by starting with a caregiving plan. Um, so I think you can see how, you know, this stage of life, it's extremely complicated, and not planning ahead will bring an array of difficult and painful experiences to the whole family. Um, so, you know, some of them will have a long, slow, and relatively safe decline, while others will go through quick, shocking episodes of illness and deterioration. And you know, yet you want really want to have that the best workable plan in place for for either either situation. Um, you know, it's it's the one comprehensive way that everyone gets involved. All generations, um, you know, can be assured that the care for their loved ones will be handled well. Um, so, in the show notes and in the episode webpage, which is agentofwealth.com backslash forty six. I have a link to a a document called the best of caregiving resources guide. And this is a 32 page document. It has all the forms, checklists, documents that you would need to use to put together this, this caregiving plan. So you can get that from, from the, uh, the website or the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or need help putting a caregiving plan together, I'd be happy to talk. So you can find all my contact information or schedule a free consultation on my website, bowdisfinancial.com. So that's all for today's show. I would like to thank everyone for tuning in and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions about his financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.